I'd rather be in the Pacific right now. It's an interesting area. There's a plan that's been around for about three to five years about connecting Asia to Latin America. So that would be like maybe a China, Tahiti, Tahiti to Easter Island, Easter Island to Chile. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Okay, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another Global from Asia show. We're at episode 163. I'm getting up there. And Claire, how are you doing? Good. How's Good. everybody? <laughs> everybody is great. And we got Maggie here again in the studio eating a eating a cracker, trying to offer it to me. I'll take a bite. Okay. So, Claire, how's the cross-border summit going? Um, it's going great. Actually, we were designing some marketing materials. So, like, uh, Mike the Greek has been helping with the um, designing. So, yeah, it's going good. Yeah, Mike the Greek is awesome, man. He's always helping out designing stuff. He was on the show. Okay, and if you want to tune into Mike the Greek's show, he was on back in episode 107, globalfromasia.com slash episode 107. He's talking about his design, but it was actually more like a interesting story and journey of him through China and Hong Kong. So that was a good one. And uh, stuff for me with the Cross-Border Summit, yes, yeah, two months away now, coming up quick. And I had a cool lunch with Brent Deverman, the founder of ShenzhenParty.com. He always gives me great feedback. I think he's listening today too. So thanks for the tips. And yeah, we're excited to cooperate with Shenzhen Party as always and you know get get some media sponsors and media promotions for this amazing event, second annual cross border summit. So check it out at crossbordersummit.com slash twenty seventeen to get all the details April twenty first and twenty second. Okay now let's talk about this week's show. It's a pretty cool one. I'm really excited my my wife Wendy's actually just came in and said she's excited too. She's been, um, so we have Mark Collins with the Seasteading Institute. And there was just news on January 13th of this year that there's approval or MOU been signed from the government of French Polynesia and to allow the Seasteading Institute to start to prepare to make their own floating island or, you know, island or, extension is a little bit technical here about it and mark really gives us amazing insights on how this all works and let's let's tune in so this is episode 163 what's the url for all the show notes claire um it's global from asia.com uh, slash episode 163 great all right let's listen in to this interview with mark <laughs> Okay, thank you everybody for tuning in to another Global From Asia podcast. This one is a very fascinating one to me, and I'm glad to connect with Mark Collins from the Seasteading Institute in Tahiti. Very cool. Thanks for being here, Mark. Uh, thanks a lot uh, for reaching out, Mike. Uh, it's exciting to be talking to you and uh, to your listeners in uh, in Asia. We, we've had a lot of uh, visibility for the project, but mainly on the west coast of the United States. It's great to go to the other side of the coast. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of like physically uh, Tahiti is like right in the middle, right? Basically, but you're more on. In, in, yeah. In terms of time zones and I guess even geographically, we're, you know, south of, of the equator. We're as far south of the equator of French Polynesia is as Hawaii is north. So just, you know, most people in, in Asia know that where Hawaii is. Uh, so go to Hawaii, fly south five hours and, 
and you hit uh, Tahiti. So we don't have direct flights yet. We've been working on them for a number of years, trying to get either Hong Kong, Beijing, or Shanghai yeah. a direct flight. But for the time being, uh, people who want to visit us come through through Narita, through through Tokyo. Yeah, I, I was actually looking that up I'm, myself, and uh, there's some crazy long connections actually, like 40 hours, but from you know connecting That's through. Too long. Yeah, yeah, that's too long. Maybe you give me yeah. some tips, but uh, I'm interested. Yeah. Try Auckland. A lot of flights. You got Hong Kong Airlines, I think, just put in a direct flight uh, from Hong Kong to, to Auckland. And then up from Auckland, New Zealand, up to uh, Papete, Tahiti is about four and a half hours. Okay. So that's one choice. Uh, you've got direct flights. I think HNA put in some direct flights from uh, Shenzhen to Auckland. So there's, there's obviously you either come through Auckland or you come through Narita. Okay, very cool. Uh, so let's, this is, um, I'm, I think we're both really excited. So we were talking before the recording, and I thought we should, might as well just get this going formally. But you, you were, so I said, I'm just, I found you through, uh, I, f- I try to follow this. Of course, it's not my, my primary of the show, but, you know, I think it's always been interesting, fascinating about, you know, this whole residency and, and, and locations. And, uh, you know, I connected through Leo Weiss, the Hong Kong ambassador of SC Steading. Yep. And, and then I saw your news about, you know, French Polynesia and, uh, supporting and signing an MOU just uh, just a few weeks ago in January 13th. Yep. So that is correct. So uh, thanks for coming on. And uh, maybe I, I we've talked about this on a previous show, episode 88, if uh, people want to go back to that and, and kind of talk about some overview. But then it was kind of vague. It was about a year year and a half ago. And uh, maybe you can introduce yourself, Mark, uh, and how maybe C-Setting sure. Institute has started. Sure. Thank, uh, thanks, Mike. So um, I've I've tracked, and so I, I'm based here in, in French Polynesia. I've been in the private sector most of my career here. My family is from here, originally from your area, uh, from Shenzhen. Oh, wow. So, um, my great-grandfather sailed from Shenzhen to San Francisco, ended up in Tahiti. There's a small but vibrant community here of, uh, of Chinese. And um, on, on my mother's side is Chinese, uh, Polynesian, Chinese, Tahitian. But I, I, I'm mainly, again, private sector for the last 25 years in, in Tahiti. And uh, in 2008, when the Seastain Institute was, um, was created in Silicon Valley, it's a, it's a nonprofit. Um, at the time... I caught it. I was <clears throat> I was in government. I was minister of uh, of tourism at the time here, and I said, "Oh, this is a very interesting concept." And if you remember, in two thousand eight, it was Patrick Friedman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, Milton Friedman, uh, the Nobel Nobel Prize winner economist, who uh, had hooked up uh, with Peter Thiel, uh, who was the founder of PayPal and first yep. investor in yep. Facebook, and they started this this nonprofit with the idea of. Uh, looking at, at new ways of, uh, of developing uh, a vibrant governance and uh, basically getting them, to, you know, governments to compete uh, for, for their residents. And um, so the argument goes as follows. It says there's no government today. You know, every piece of land is spoken for, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no government that's going to allow for this sort of, um, to give up this sort of sovereignty on their own, within their own territory. So it uh, stands to reason that we need to go to the high seas. So that was the original premise is let's go to the high seas, you know, 200 nautical miles away from the coast of California. And let's go set up this, um, you know, this new uh, way of governing. Let's, uh, you know, get best and the brightest and let's try to figure figure some of these problems out. They quickly realized that it took a few years, but they they put quite a bit of money into the in the studies. They got some of the best uh, marine engineers out of, uh, you know, floating marine engineers 
out of the Netherlands. Uh, they're working with Delta Sync out there, and they realize that building a breakwater in the middle of the ocean with you know thousand, two thousand meters depth under the seastead was not practical, at least not financially practical. Mm. So you know the engineers came back and said, look, it's going to cost something of the order of fifty. Five zero billion U.S. dollars. Crazy. So yeah, and that's still crazy. I mean, that's like you know some of these projects. Uh, you know, European Space Agency wanted to build uh, human habitation on on the moon, right? So it's it's way up there, and it wasn't it didn't make sense. And I guess about a year and a half ago, if, if my memory is correct, the Seastain Institute pivoted. Now this is under the current uh, uh, management, current direction of Randy Randy Henkin, yep. so executive director. So uh, Randy and his team said, "Look, let's we need to be pragmatic about this. We're not going to raise fifty billion dollars to go out in the open seas." and try out our idea, why don't we do it within the sheltered waters, uh, sheltered lagoons of an existing nation. So th- this is a, this is a, a pretty big shift um, because now it's, it's not about full sovereignty. Uh, you know, Seastain Institute, our team is not asking French Polynesia and therefore France, you know, we're still under France, um, to give up its sovereignty on a certain patch, you know, a certain area. We are talking, of course, about a special regulatory framework you know, special economic zone that's on the water, a sea zone, uh, with a lot of special attributes, but not the full package, you know, not sovereignty. That's uh, that's not what is, is after, uh, what we're after right now. What we do need is to test and validate certain um, assumptions we have on uh, the type of, of materials we'll need, the, the cost of floating, uh, certain structures, and the integration of of innovative technology. I mean, how do you how do you get the floating solar panels uh, to store energy in a in you know an environmentally sound way? How do you yeah. treat your wastewater? It's it's a lot of technologies that are out there independently, but nobody's ever put them together on on a single floating platform, and that's yeah. super exciting. It's really it's really exciting. So yeah, I was I was uh, catching up on you know, we. There was like a, it was in French language, a YouTube video, which we can link and it had subtitles in English. I was researching uh, and they were explaining, yeah, like I think you guys said on your blog, it's, uh, it is kind of couldn't be said said a better way. And they're talking about, uh, you know, attracting quality, uh, you know, Silicon Valley's, of course, involve a seasteading institute and there's going to be people coming here. I mean, I'm interested to definitely come by. I'm, I'm looking into seeing how I can get involved as well and others. So it's going to definitely bring great, great people to the area. So then it's not sovereignty. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's more like a feasibility. It seems like you have a year feasibility now in this MOU contract or. It's, it's uh, now the MOU um, is, is something that the Institute needed in order to to continue and move forward and obviously invest quite a bit of money mm. uh, to to realize these three. We basically have three studies that we agreed with the government of French Polynesia that we would work on. Um, the first is obviously it's an environmental uh, framework, uh, environmental assessment of uh, what sort of technologies we're going to use to make sure that the, uh, the environment is not only preserved, but maybe even enhanced. We're talking about improving the area uh, around which the, the seastead is going to be based. It's not not only we're not going to be hurting the environment, obviously no one would accept that. Uh, none of the investors in the project, uh, none of the people here in Tahiti would accept a project 
uh, if we thought there was a risk of hurting the environment. So we've got to come up with that assessment, and we've got our, our team out of um, out of Rotterdam and in, in, in the Netherlands working on that. We also have to supply to the government um, an economic, uh, you know, kind of a social and economic benefit analysis and say, okay, with this project uh, being done in Tahiti, we intend to create these sort of jobs for, for the locals. We intend to bring these number of tourists. We intend to get this sort of visibility. And, you know, basically, what are the benefits for, for a host nation and for French Polynesia in particular? Yep. Now, if the, video you're, the video you're referring to um, is a, a, the spokesman for French Polynesia. So he he signed the MOU on behalf of the president on January 13th. His name is Jean-Christophe Buissou. And he did a very um, interesting interview when he got back, I think it was Monday, right after he got back from California. And the journalist said, hey, so what's this seasteading thing about and this MOU you just signed? And, and he said, look, this is a very, very unique, I'm paraphrasing here, yep, yep. but it's a very unique opportunity uh, for our country, for a very small country. I mean, you got to put this in... In perspective, uh, there's only 280,000, 285,000 people in our country, but we're spread out over a maritime country the size of Europe. I mean, uh, 5 million square kilometers, but very small population. And Sir Jean-Christophe goes on to say this is a very unique opportunity for our country to be take a leadership position in such, um, such an interesting field of, of floating infrastructure. And it is going to attract, uh, whether it's researchers, uh, universities, you know, companies out of Silicon Valley, as you said, there's, there's a very strong Silicon Valley DNA in, uh, in the Seasteading Institute. And for any government, that's very appealing. So it took, um, you know, it took us a while to, to align our, our objectives. The country has its own objectives on what it wants uh, related to sea level rise. The Institute has its objectives in terms of its grand vision. You know, it took us three months of back and forth. Um, I had to interface with uh, the president's team, and they brought in five different um, uh, ministries and their legal departments and their technical staff. And you know, we got around a table and, and for three months uh, went back and forth because this is a new concept uh, for any country. Um, and, and for Tahiti, it was very modern. So now we're everybody's aligned. Very, yeah, very, very amazing. And three months is pretty fast, I would say, you know, if I, uh, if I had to ask. And um, so, you well, just, yeah, they, these guys, I mean, you, you should meet uh, when, when you come down. Actually, you, you mentioned you'd, you'd like to get involved. And yeah, uh, I do. Some I of your do. listeners, uh, this, this may be the right time to, to pitch this. But sure, we're, sure. we're putting together the first um basically the first international conference on, on floating islands. Uh, there's never been a, a conference uh, of this magnitude or on this, uh, on this theme. Uh, at least that's my understanding. So we're doing it here. Obviously is very telling. We're going to do it here in Tahiti in the month of May. This awesome. Year. Very so, cool. Uh, in, in four months. So it's an aggressive schedule, but we've got a lot of people uh, that are quite interested because of, you know, the, the sea state Institute goes back to 2008. They've got a lot of uh, supporters. So um, I'll send you after sure. this call, and once once I got the dates, I'll send you an yeah. invite. Yeah, but it'd be great to have some people from from Hong Kong. There's some very yeah. very smart thinking. I could uh, I could definitely in Hong Kong. I'll definitely help, and uh, I have a I have a conference in April uh, about cross border business between you know China and overseas and international. So wow. uh, it's perfect timing. I can uh, I can, I can uh, definitely link it up, and uh, I'm definitely 
going to make it. It's a good, it's a good excuse to come down. I mean, always when is the right time is conference is a great, a great reason. There you go. So I'll, uh, it's, uh, we're going to have, uh, experts come in from, uh, from Holland. We're going to have some architects, some really top architects come in from France, all sorts of people. And uh, it'd be great to have, uh, some, uh, some, some people from Hong Kong, uh, yeah. come and take a look at this. I mean, if, if you think about it, the interface, uh, the interface between Asia or China and uh, the United States is really the Pacific, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the Northern Pacific, South Pacific, but, and uh, the intermingling of some of these wonderful ideas that you guys are coming up with. Uh, I mean, I, I, I saw on your blog some of the things you you talk about what's going on in China. It's, it's impressive. Yeah, it's, it's very uh, interesting. Yeah, there's a lot, and uh, and it's uh, of course there's a lot of action happening, you know, business and and politically and and everything and and uh, financially, and it's very cool. And I've been to Hawaii once, my sister's wedding, so uh, it's a great you know. And the time zone is nuts. Like. Right now it's noon Wednesday here as we record. It's six yep. six p.m. Tuesday for you, right? It's six. Yeah, that, that is correct. Uh, so I'm GMT minus ten. I think you're GMT plus eight or something. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah big big spread there. Yeah, but we are on the same time zone as Hawaii. So uh, okay, uh, we have a lot fewer tourists than Hawaii that we get. I think in uh, Hawaii gets in a week what we get in a year. So don't expect to see uh, you know those big uh, crowds you see in on Kalakaua Avenue in Honolulu. So Tahiti is a wonderful place. It's a country that's been able to keep its environment uh, quite pristine. I mean, that's really, I mean, you can't attract tourism if, if you mess up your environment. Mm-hmm. So that's why this this project is is quite unique. Um, and, and what's making, the reason it's becoming a reality and you know this, the reason behind the signature of the MOU, I've got to say, is because of the ambition of our current uh, president, uh, President Fritsch in, in French Polynesia is... One of the top leaders in the region uh, when it comes <clears throat> to the environment, sea level rise, and he put together along with um, I think it was six other prime ministers from uh, a group called the Polynesian Leaders Group. So it's a it's a fairly new organization, uh, a regional organization, and they came up about a year and a half ago with something called the PACT, the Pact, and the Pact of, uh, stands for Polynesians Against Climate Threats, and basically is saying that small Island nations like ours, like Kiribati, like uh, the Cook Islands, like Vanuatu, we're, we're the smallest contributors worldwide to global warming. I mean, I think you'll agree our tiny little islands aren't the ones heating up the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are the most affected. We contribute the least, but we get hit pretty hard. And it was very telling. Um, during the two-hour presentation, the president and his uh, entire cabinet listened to us for two hours wow. uh, presenting on on the project. And uh, the president had uh, thought that it'd be useful to invite the mayor of one of our low-lying islands. So Tahiti's got different types of islands. We've got, you know, the island of Tahiti itself is a tall island, I meaning we have mountains. But we have a number of smaller islands that are just like what you see in Kiribati or the Maldives. that are just coral rings that are maybe three feet, literally. Uh, three, the highest elevation is three to four feet, right? Mm. And we had the mayor of uh, Felix, was his name, Felix Tokorangi of uh, of Makemo, and he wasn't talking during the whole presentation until the end. And he made a very passionate uh, request of our team and of the president. And he said, look, uh, we need a project like this on my island because I deal with sea level rise. I've got families come in. It's not every day, uh, but he did say about once a month on average, once a month, somebody will come to him 
one of his uh, constituents and say, look, uh, Mr. Mayor, I've got an issue here. You know, the water is hurting, uh, you know, my crops. Uh, we have fresh water on some of these islands, but it's, you know, below the sea level. So it's starting to get brackish and obviously the vegetables don't grow very well. And it, it's having an impact today. So we're not talking about something 50 years down the road. Huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people tend to underestimate and it's one of those things where if you raise the temperature very slowly, uh, you know, people don't notice. But uh, we're starting to really notice it in the Pacific. If there's any region in the world that is in tune with this, it's it's the Pacific. So getting back to President uh, Fritsch, he put together this group of Polynesian leaders and they signed a very um, important document. It's called the PACT. And it made its way up to Paris, to France. And uh, the story goes that uh, President Hollande used it, um, got inspired by it and included uh, some of the terms and some of the the ideas in the PACT uh, in the COP21 document. So it's basically, you know, the whole world is now very focused and, and very aware mm. of the issues surrounding uh, sea level rise. And, you know, we're, we're contributing to hopefully find part of the, the solution. So we're lucky. I mean, the, yep. it's just one of those timing things. Makes uh, sense. Makes sense. So, yeah. So basically, I guess the, from my perspective, I guess the trade is like, you have some seasteading institute and, and, the, and the whole movement will have smart people to come there and pay attention to fix that. And the benefit on the other side is, you know, testing this whole idea of a floating, floating uh, ecosystem, I guess is a word. But yeah, an ecosystem. Yep. Is a good word. Yep. That's what we use a platform. Yeah. Platform technologies. So yeah. I, I think really a win win. You're right. Yeah. So that's. And I guess um, on my side, and I think some of the listeners are, you know, we're more, we're business, we're like entrepreneurs and digital nomads and traveling, you know, traveling entrepreneurs. So, and we've been under threat a lot from banking and, you know, uh, a lot of changes in regulations about, you know, where we're based. And there's other initiatives like Estonia has the e-residency program. Is this, I know you already said it's not really sovereignty. So this is more about like testing the the feasibility of building a, a floating platform? Would there be the possibility? No, oh, no. There's also very, very deeply, uh, if, if you see a look, uh, if you take a look at uh, the MOU that was signed with the government and in all of our discussions, there definitely is uh, the the idea and uh, and the desire from the Seasteading Institute to create a very special economic zone that will attract this exact talent you're talking about. Okay. Uh, digital nomads, uh, people who want a different way of uh, of doing contracts. You mentioned the e um, the e citizenship program yep. Uh, yep. in Estonia. Yeah. I spoke to one of the one of the ladies behind that company. I believe it's BitNation uh, in California a few weeks ago, and uh, they're based. They basically have the blockchain technology that. Uh, Obviously, we're we're also looking at uh, uh, contra- smart contracts. How do you deal with uh, uh, you know all all the different types of contracts that would uh, exist on on the seastead, whether it's as a tenant, whether it's uh, you've got new IP that you're generating. But uh, basically, we do want to attract international uh, talent that's um, that's in the space that is also interested. It's not only about the environment and about sea level rise. It's also about uh, you know, what would you do ideally if you were looking for a place that uh, has everything, you know, you've got the, the connectivity. So that's one yeah. of the key areas. We, we've we got a submarine cable in that's French amazing. Polynesia, so that's super important. Yeah, you said it's like 20. Uh, yeah, have. you have like really fat. Your internet's beating my internet for sure. <laughs> your, your download. Well, that's that's just my, my, my home internet. That's not... 
globally. I hope uh, our country, um, I hope everybody gets to uh, to have great internet in Tahiti. For the time being, we still have a legacy uh, copper uh, network, but we do have an international submarine cable that connects Hawaii to Tahiti, and I think it's 1.2 terabits of capacity. It's not used. Uh, we use very little of it, but that was important to the Seasteading Institute. A lot of the companies that they'd like to to base here on the Seastead that are very innovative uh, need, obviously, all the bandwidth they could get. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, we hopefully totally. um, there's a plan that's been around for about three to five. I know I think about five years about connecting Asia, literally Asia to Latin America via Tahiti. So that would be like maybe a China, Tahiti, Tahiti, uh, Easter Island, Easter Island to uh, to Chile. And imagine that route. Imagine wow. how much volume goes from you know Latin America to Asia, and Tahiti could end up at the crossroads of a of a very interesting um, mix, right? Yep. Uh, everything going on with WeChat, uh, yeah, in we China and, and you know, Weibo and all that. And yeah, there's also that connection to Africa and China, which maybe is not exact direction South America, but but uh, yeah, I mean there there's you know China wants to connect with other parts of the world and. And investing a lot to go global, so yeah, it's all really, really fascinating stuff. So I guess I'm just trying to picture this in my mind. So there's a floating platform potentially, or there's feasibility happening right now. Would I be able to walk from a bridge, bridge or a car, or you know, a boat, or I guess it's or still just trying to determine. Determine. I'm just trying Probably to in my boat. head. I've looked at some of the engineering uh, drawings and everything. I mean, there's a lot of work still to be done. The exact site needs to be uh, determined in partnership, obviously, with the government and the population. Uh, one, we, we can't forget how important it is for uh, actual, you know, residents of, of French Polynesia to be able also to access this technology. There's, there's no uh, idea that this is just an enclave of a bunch of foreign um, companies or residents. Uh, it, it has to involve to the largest degree possible, uh, Polynesians who are also some of the biggest explorers and adventurers, you know, we've, that uh, history has known. Uh, if you look at the, the history of the South Pacific, it's one of voyaging canoes going from, you know, as far south as, as uh, New Zealand, uh, as far east as Easter Island, as far north as Hawaii. So, you know, we come from a maritime uh, background, one of exploration. Got it. You know, when, when our outrigger canoes went out in the ocean, they, they knew how to get back home. It wasn't it wasn't just let's say hey, let's just head west <laughs> and see what there is. Uh, so that spirit of exploration is is really interesting. And I've got some of my friends here in, in Tahiti and in the Cook Islands that are very interested in, in that aspect. I mean, what is it like to to live on on the lagoon at first? But maybe one day, you know, maybe we'll have this uh, this call in, in five years and you say, hey, how's it going? Well, we're yeah. ready to go to the open seas. Very cool. So, it's we basically are going to be able and it's already starting. We're already try, starting to attract a lot of of cutting edge, literally, I mean, cutting edge companies out of Silicon Valley that are testing stuff. That's just amazing, whether it's, you know, wave generation, whether it's, you know, uh, storage solutions uh, for energy that don't depend on lithium ion. Uh, you know, who wants, you know, a platform full of lithium ion batteries? That's that's probably not the smartest thing. But there are other ways of doing it that don't invi- that don't involve chemicals at all. Mm. So really, really cool stuff um, in the history of floating islands itself. I mean, if you look at it, it's it's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, in 18, 1895. So imagine this: eighteen ninety five, a French. Uh, science fiction, I guess you'd say Jules Verne was a science fiction writer, and he, he comes up with this idea of a floating island, but 
his had a 10 million horsepower engine. And so it was called a propeller island. Huh. And uh, in 1895, he writes about this big island, uh, you know, with all sorts of people living on it. And it leaves from San Francisco, California, and ends up in Tahiti, French Polynesia. <laughs> I mean, this is, <laughs> this is 120 years ago. And, um, and then closer to you, okay. closer to Hong Kong in the 1960s. Uh, very, very interesting um, architect, engineer, uh, Buckminster Fuller. You know, he, he created the... the uh, the geodesic domes that you see all over the place. And he was a fascinating gentleman. And he was commissioned by one of the wealthiest Japanese uh, businessmen at the time who owned the the big newspaper there in, in, in Tokyo. They were going to build uh, the first floating island in Tokyo Bay in 1962. Mm. And this was for 10,000 10, residents. They had all the math. Wow. I mean, they knew how much it would cost per unit. So we're talking a project that's 50 years old, over 50, you know, 56 years old. Amazing. So, you know, technology's, you know, grown by leaps and bounds and in, in obviously in five decades. And well, we can do stuff nowadays. It's amazing. Well, I think that's what's so exciting about this MOU and, 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 and buy-in from a government. I think that's what the biggest challenge has been from technology, right? And scientists like, uh, like you know, innovators like us is usually governments are not as, yeah, like you said, there's nowhere we can, we can do this. Now you have this is uh this this opportunity so it's just really exciting like i guess could probably talk about this forever but you know i guess the idea so i'm trying to think more like is what kind of time frame you know you said five years phone call but i hope uh is there oh, i guess no. it's gonna be That's if we were to go to ic no, no, um, our, our schedule is tight uh these silicon valley guys yeah. are you know they 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 They've got a, a very um, aggressive schedule, and it's one that the government uh, signed off on in the MOU. Basically, we're giving ourselves one year mm-hmm. uh, until the end of 2017 to deliver these uh, these three studies. So I mentioned the environmental assessment framework, uh, the economic social benefits study, but also the C-Zone Act. So we're working closely hand-in-hand with the government to develop this very unique um, special, you know, floating special economic zone on the ocean. It's, it's going to be the world's first. So you can imagine the innovation, the legal mm. innovation to put this together. And our guys in Silicon Valley are going to see, okay, we need this for this reason, right? Yeah. Uh, immigration, for example, we have yep. to work with France yep. um, for special visas. Let's uh, exactly. say I want to do an app company and I need, you know, three coders um, uh, from Pakistan. I need uh, some developers from Ireland. I need to be able to bring them in quickly yep. Um, yep. and efficiently. And uh, our taxes need to be very, very appealing. We need to be world class. Uh, yep. We need to be as good as, you know, some of these uh, special economic zones in the Caymans and Dubai. And uh, yep. there's 4,000, 4,000 different SECs worldwide. So we basically have the advantage of starting late. You know, sometimes when you start late, um, you can learn. You yeah. Can take the best yeah. Part. Look at China. I mean, look at uh, WeChat and exactly. all that. Exactly. Exactly. I remember that from my college studies, you know, like, uh, I remember, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's not best to be first, like, uh, especially America, America's got all this legacy, like systems and legacy, you know, whereas if you start fresh, you can, yeah, like look at what's been done and, 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 uh, pick the best and improve. So it's, it's really, yeah, it's really exciting. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm totally down to come on May and I'll, 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 uh, we'll link it up on the notes. 
the firm dates uh, when we throw up uh, the website so people can register, it's going to be a really unique uh, conference because it will be, uh, for example, you mentioned, hey, what about uh, uh, blockchain? Obviously, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to have some top speakers on what the contracts are going to look like on on the Seastead, what sort of blockchain technology will be used. And and you're right, having a jurisdiction, having a, a country that's willing to look at this legislation and and willing to um, – you know, to give this a, a try is, is quite unique. Yeah. And, and that's the exciting part of, uh, you know, it's the mixing between, you know, the Silicon Valley uh, DNA and uh, our own uh, DNA here in French Polynesia. We're very open. We're a very open country. I mean, yeah. you can look through a, a Tahiti phone book and you'll see, uh, you know, Russian, American, Swedish, Danish, uh, Finnish names, awesome. American, uh, British. So there's been a lot of mix uh, throughout the last couple hundred years okay. uh, in French Polynesia. And I think it's it's a great place, obviously, to live. I've, I've been back here. My family's from here, but I've been living here for 25 years. And it really feels like we're in, in the middle where, you know, we can go west and end up in China you know, in 11 hours to Narita, we can go uh, east in eight hours and be in, in San Francisco. Yep. So it's uh, it's an interesting place. I'd, I'd rather be here. Let me put it this way. I've got a lot of friends who are in, in Europe right now. Mm. Uh, I'd rather be here. I'd rather be in the Pacific right now. Yeah. It's an interesting area. I'm, uh, you know, like, there's so many, like, I guess I have to see it, see it for myself there, but can you, usually, I mean, must um, what are the costs like, I guess, you know, I guess everything's probably got to be imported or shipped over or I mean are living how's cost of living generally or we have oh it, it's a lot cheaper uh, than your cost of living in Hong Kong I, okay. I have oh, yeah, I yeah, Hong, Hong Kong, Kong quite often and it's it's crazy I was just in San Francisco uh, twice uh, this month and uh, the cost of living in San Francisco is, is just skyrocketed uh, and opening if you have a startup okay let's just take example you have a startup and your engineers need to have a place obviously to live so a little apartment and then your company needs a headquarters and then and pretty soon you add those numbers up and it's like what you're doing right uh, you don't really need the you need internet yeah right? basically yeah. this is like my yeah, this is like my life I just need to have internet yeah. and electricity. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. and well, not and if just it's not cold, it would be better, you know, it'd yeah. be better if you didn't have to, you know, heat the place and it's, it'd be better if it didn't cost, you know, a two bedroom apartment didn't cost $8,000 a month. Yeah, uh, yeah, know. exactly. So we're, we're basically looking at, um, at construction, uh, costs for, for the floating. Um, I mean, I'll wait until the final numbers come in from, uh, from the Dutch, but basically it's going to cost considerably less considerably less uh, than a square foot or square meter in, in Hong Kong. We're talking yeah. orders of magnitude cheaper. So imagine an environment that's fiscally and uh, from a tax perspective, a lot more interesting mm -hmm. than any other jurisdiction. Imagine that it's an environment that's pristine. You know, it's nice also, you know, living in a place where the air is clean and, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, it's a nice environment. We don't get, uh, you know, we don't have any real environmental problems, but you have super fast connectivity and, and you've got a group of people around you on the seastead. Yeah. Uh, because at first we're thinking 250 to 300 people just on, on the pilot, just yeah. to start. Yeah. And then it could, but imagine that you've got some great coders of and course, you've got yeah. some great graphics guys. You've got uh, like the top blockchain company yeah. uh, has, has some engineers here and suddenly you start mixing this all together and, and there's going to be some interesting, um, interesting things coming out of it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like the it's like the it's like the dream, right? Like it's like X Men. I always uh, think of X Men, like having the, the you know the the super super people all in like one area. I mean, well, I mean, that's the idea of incubators and yeah, well, yeah incubators, but, sure, accelerators. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, I've been all through I've been through an accelerator program. It's a China accelerator. It's pretty amazing, and I, I love that. You know, surrounding yourself. That's what life's supposed to be. But you know, with these. Some of these older, older systems just kind of stop people. Like uh, one of my 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 new team member Claire, she's Chinese. I, I'm going to Hong Kong next week. She can't go because they're limiting the amount of tramps. You know, it's like these stupid reasons. Yep. There's stupid reasons yep. that slow people down. And uh, I'm really excited about this. Um, okay, I mean, well, look, uh, Mike, uh, we're uh, Asia, your area, Hong Kong, Shenzhen. There's some amazing things going on there, and we'd love it if uh, you know through. Through your uh, your network, uh, through your uh, podcast, you could yeah. um, you know uh, put out the call to some of your. Yeah, we'd love to see some great innovators uh, from yeah. uh, from your area come down to our conference and maybe give a talk on what's going on there. Sure, of course, we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. And uh, I guess what's the time frame? Maybe even me, like my, like uh, to. I mean, I guess anybody can yeah. move move there if they wanted to anyway but what what's... we're working we're working on the on the uh, as i said the legislation is going to be the longest part we all know that the government knows that mm-hmm. we know that uh, we've got a, a big legal you know, strong legal team in paris working on this but let's let's just assume that all this works and by the by early 2018 uh we've got a special economic zone package uh, legislation that's that's gone through that's when we start building and the budget is anywhere between 10 to 50, five zero, a million U.S. dollars. So it's not 50 billion. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and 50 million dollars is, is well within the reach of uh, the seasteading network of, of investors. Yeah. Um, so right now, the idea is, is a few million dollars for this first year for studies and travel and, you know, all of the engineering work and all that. But then we hit, uh, you know, 10, 10 to 50 million dollars worth of investment to build its first um, first seastead. And we anticipate that that could take about a year. So, you know, conceivably by end of 2018, early 2019, we could start onboarding uh, companies, people and say, OK, here, you're one of the first to be on our seastead. Here's your one gigabit per second connection passcode. Here's <laughs> your, you know, uh, yeah. here's your blockchain. Uh, and, uh, awesome. and let's just start creating some new stuff. Very cool. So then it's I- not that far. It's not that far. Yeah, that seems really fast. Uh, yeah, two to three years is is pretty pretty close. I mean, I'll always I'll probably add three to four in my mind, honestly, at least, or maybe I've been uh, more realistic. Hopefully, hopefully uh, it's sooner. But the, basically, the opportunity then would be some uh, entrepreneurs or open minded innovators that want to do business or have a new life could then basically mm-hmm. sign up to live and work there in this in this platform. Is I'm mm-hmm. just trying to think. The idea would be, and then it, there'll be a rent, or there must, of course, there'll be some kind of costs for this access to it, and then of course there would be an area to live and an area to work. To or, work, correct. Yeah. And it would be just trying to think in my mind, like the it's like a rental we're, contract owner ownership. Yeah, we're going. Yeah, there there would obviously be a, a relationship between the the seastead and the the company running and managing the seastead and every one of the tenants, whether it's an ownership a position. You know, someone would say, "Oh, well, look, I'm just going to buy my space," or whether it's a rental um, a situation. So those are all the things that need to be figured out that yep. will be based. But again, 
we're going to come in a lot cheaper than, than renting in San Francisco or, or Hong Kong or New yeah. York. So yeah. that's, that's what we're aiming for anyway. Otherwise it's not competitive. Yep. I mean, it, it makes no sense to make something that's more expensive. And I don't forget, it's not because it's on a floating, uh, a platform that, um, you know, you can't get off it. Right. Uh, and go on to the main Island and we've got restaurants, nightclubs, and yep. you know, there, there can be a whole, a whole lifestyle, but I think you said it right. It's, it's about, uh, the type of business you're in. If you're in a business where what you need is, is just connectivity and an environment with other like-minded, uh, you know, uh, developers, uh, inventors, creative types, but you also like surfing and, you know, kiteboarding and uh, deep sea fishing and, uh, I don't know, snorkeling. Yeah. Uh, you also have that right off, you know, you just jump right off the platform. There you go. Very so cool. I think it, it will be about lifestyle. It may not be for everyone. Not everybody necessarily likes the ocean, uh, you know, wants to be in a sunny tropical environment, but I, I think a lot of them do. Yeah, it's, it's nice. And then I guess obviously it's still got to be worked out, but the idea would be they would get a like a residence permit, a visa or a passport or a D card. It's or- not a passport. It's not a passport. Uh, that we're not aiming uh, to get France to issue passports. That's not uh, in the in the cards. But uh, a, spe- a residency, uh, long a long term residency uh, for for targeted types of, uh, of individuals uh, is, is what we're going to look at with with France. Now, then this is going to be a long uh, conversation with uh, with them as to you know how far and how willing uh, and uh, you know and how quickly we can we can roll this out. But France, I'll, I'll give you an example. France just rolled out a new. Uh, uh, something they call the talent passport. Yeah, um, that, a bunch, yeah, I saw that, that last year. So basically, for certain types of uh, of industries, France, like every other country, is trying to attract talent. Uh, France has an issue, and we we've had this discussion with some key people in in France. Uh, they also have a brain drain. Uh, we have that here in Tahiti, where you got young young kids. They go to Stanford, they get a great degree, and then they go, "Well, what can I do back home?" Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if we don't build the conditions and the environment to where we need that sort of brain power, hell, it's going to go to Hong Kong. I mean, there's quite a few Tahitians living right now in Hong Kong, Shenzhen. I've got some friends there, some friends, um, you know, in Australia, New Zealand, because there isn't a project. There isn't something that's innovative. There's not something that's exciting to them here. Mm. So that's my, I'm putting back my, you know, Tahitian, um, cap and saying, this is something very important. Uh, if you start losing all of your youth, um, who goes out studies elsewhere and then they never come back, that's, you know, that brain drain is, is, is not good for your country. Oh, of course. All right. So, so very, very interesting. Thanks so much, Mark. Uh, this has been fascinating for me. Yeah, and, thank you. Thank you for the and, opportunity, uh, Mike, to speak to you and uh, and to your audience. And I'll send you all the information. And as soon as we got the website up, we would love it if you can okay. link to yeah, it. Yeah, of course. And uh, and have some people, yeah, come down with some of your friends from Hong Kong. We'll have yeah. some fun. I, I, I'm I 90% sure. Of course, there's maybe out the family, leave the family at home, maybe. But we'll see. It's great, Mark. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks so much for coming on. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I was a little bit really overly excited as uh, as I did that interview. I don't know if you could tell or not, but things are things are really moving forward because I mean, there's been a lot of work on this seasteading or creating these islands, and uh, my wife is helping me prepare now. She was doing research on Baidu and talking to Claire here about islands over there, 
there's a lot of Chinese people that that live in Tahiti or in the French Polynesia. Is that true or? Yeah, I think uh, Wendy is really excited. Like uh, she gonna move, you know, to that island with Mike. And I was <laughs> joking aloud that, um, you know, like um, fans of Mike's gonna be so sad. <laughs> no, everybody can come. We can all move on to this island together. Come on. Well, it's a couple of years away, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm serious though. Let's let's look into this, and uh, I'm gonna keep you guys updated on future shows to see how the progress goes. And uh, but Wendy's working on a marketing plan for the Chinese people to move there. So uh, <laughs> so what's up tonight? We're recording this, of course, a couple of days before we go live. Claire, you heading out to a meetup tonight? Yeah, so it's a digital Shenzhen meetup. So I'm quite excited because I'm really into uh, digital marketing. Great. Uh, I'm going to stop by there too. And there's also my friend Chris Davey has a FBA meetup as well in Sheko. So there's lots of these amazing events happening. And unfortunately, they're at the same time with Zach Franklin does that digital marketing one. So I'll see Zach and then we'll go see Chris and the crew at the FBA meetup on a Friday night networking events. All right. And then again, the show notes, where can people find them, Claire? Um, so it's uh, globalfromasia.com. Come uh, slash episode 163. Awesome. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.